I'm Daniel Gowerluck, and this is On Earth. On Earth is brought to you by the Pacific Museum of Earth. In this podcast, we aim to show what it's like to be an Earth, ocean, or atmospheric scientist. There's a lot of diversity under that umbrella, and not all of our scientists wear lab coats. Today on Earth, we're talking to... Lindsay Nelson. Lindsay, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Now, you are the field school coordinator and lab coordinator for this department, right? Yeah, it's the the teaching lab, so the labs associated with the undergrad courses and the, the field schools and field trips that the undergrads take as well. Right. I should um, clarify that when I say labs, I don't mean uh, like the PCIGR where they're doing <laughs> yeah. space age science. This is the uh, the labs where our students are learning. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Excellent. You've uh, inherited quite a, a complicated role. <laughs> yes. It's, uh, I think, one of the few positions that crosses between different courses and different subjects and even different disciplines within the department. Um, so there's a lot to work with. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're also um, a former field geologist, right? I am. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, how does that contribute to the work that you do now? I think, yeah, the time I spent out in the field, um, it, in terms of especially the field trips and field schools, um, I can bring that perspective of working as a field geologist and how that might be different um, from being a geology student and um, maybe some ways that the courses could evolve or give, you know, just a lot of stories that the students might appreciate as well um, about what it's like out in the field working. Yeah. You're like Joni Mitchell. You see both sides now. (laughs) (laughs) I also appreciate just how special the samples in the labs are because you don't get to see as many incredible rocks and minerals uh, out working (laughs) generally. (laughs) Yes, nature is uh, beautiful, but also finicky, I guess. Yeah, or we've got some, yeah, a well-curated uh, <laughs> collection here, yeah. Why geology? What was it about that field that you loved? Um, or did you love it? I did. Well, I grew up with it. It's both my parents are geologists, and one of my grandfathers actually was a professor of geology. Um, so it's something that was just kind of always... Uh, part of my life. But then when I was thinking about university, um, I was actually considering doing a history degree. Um, But then I thought about it more and I still wanted the kind of science aspect in there. So I thought earth history was a good combination, (laughs) but also knew about kind of what it is to be a geologist um, and the chance to get outside and travel and just understand the world around you. Yeah. Speaking as a history grad, you made the right decision. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I find our profs are so much happier, and I think it's because they do get outside. And um, yeah. Yeah, I think with the the students as well, um, it's a chance to, you you know, get to know your peers in a way that a lot of other subjects, you don't get those same opportunities with the 
yeah, by having the hands-on components in labs and field trips. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It strips away a lot of the uh, intimidation that you have for your profs when you spend a whole weekend out in the woods uh, with them. (laughs) Uh, Very much so. (laughs) Thinking of my own undergraduate experience, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. In your, um, in your career, have you made any discoveries that you'd care to share? Either um, personal or, uh, yeah, contributions to the world. <laughs> well, I worked um, on one project that was a uh, diamond exploration project um, where we were kind of taking it from an earlier stage to more advanced exploration and delineating these new deposits. And I got to kind of characterize the geology of a couple new they had been discovered before, but never kind of really explored um, and described. So I got to do kind of put together the geology models for a couple of those kimberlite pipes, um, which was a great opportunity and a challenge, but was really interesting. Um, And then further discoveries, just what it is like to be out there, especially on that project. There were so many different people in different parts of that um, program. And, uh, yeah, it's just, uh, very interesting to figure out how you can kind of live and work with people. And we were out in the field year round. Most of our work happened in the winter. So in the, this was in the Northwest territories, uh-huh. <laughs> so, discovering, uh, just how cold you can be. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that sounds exciting. Have you found anything, um, or discovered anything that you found shocking as you have gone through the collections in this department? Um, I don't know that I've been shocked, but some of the samples themselves were collected over a hundred years ago. Um, there's textbooks from, you know, the thirties and microscopes that might not be much younger than that. Um, (laughs) but that are still like that. Um, the optical mineralogy hasn't changed. Like those are still, that textbook is still extremely relevant. If a student read it today, they would learn a lot that is still useful. Um, just the, yeah, I think the level of kind of history, like obviously the rocks are much, much older, but just the history of the department itself is interesting as well. Yeah. Excellent. It's amazing. Some of those things are still with us, uh, after almost a hundred years and still being used. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you just got into this role. So uh, what are you doing? What what are you doing today? Today, I um, was looking at some of the different sample collections. I've been doing some inspections for the local and part of the local safety team. So inspecting some of the classrooms and workspaces and um, as just part of the annual review. Um, I was working on digitizing some of the sample lists, um, mm. which we just have kind of as physical copies. So to have that in a digital form, so they're a little more uh, secure and also searchable. <laughs> um, there's no, hasn't been any two days that have been the same so far, which is a, something I like actually. <laughs> Good. It's both shocking that in this day and age, uh, those lists weren't digitized, but I'm also shocked that there are physical copies because I also know that usually those lists just live in people's heads. <laughs> True. No, there's definitely been efforts over the years. And even this this particular collection, there's 
yeah, handwritten index cards from at least the fifties, possibly older. Um, yeah, there's, there is a lot of documentation in some cases, not in all cases and that's a different, <laughs> <laughs> depends on the collection. Yeah. Sounds very much like a museum. <laughs> yeah. That's actually, I think I'm learning like kind of brushing up on some kind of curation and uh, library kind of uh, techniques might be useful for me. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) You mentioned that you've done field work. Um, One of my favorite parts of these interviews is hearing about field stories. It sounds like this magical place where um, crazy things happen, which are infuriating for you at the time, but immensely entertaining for me right now. (laughs) (laughs) Would you care to share any of those stories? Well, I can, yeah, a, a lot come to mind. Um, one that I remember very clearly is a time where I was doing a, as part of a crew doing a geophysics survey, we're doing a induced polarization survey. So you have all these, I, that day I was the person laying out this set of cables. So you have a ton of like a lot of heavy cables and we're in northern BC um, in this dense forest. Um, so I was kind of struggling hauling these cables through the trees. Then I happened to get stung by wasps. Um, so that was unpleasant. And then I got to this ravine, fought my way across kind of down and up the other side of the ravine. And the cables were all kind of <laughs> wonky. Um, and what happened, I very quickly forgot about the bee stings or wasp stings because my foot slipped on something I thought was outcrop, but was just a loose rock. And I was sliding down the ravine. And then all Mm. of a sudden there's a huge cloud of orange uh, and I couldn't see and I couldn't breathe. And I was wondering what was going on. And I kind of slid down into this Creek and just started like splashing my face because my face was burning. And I realized my bear spray canister (gasps) that was on my hip had got punctured by a rock as I was sliding down this ravine. Um, and had like just, that was the cloud of orange that I didn't put it together at first. Cause I was just, yeah, I was, you know, quite the one, two of wasps and then bear spray, but Cast I was <laughs> about, I managed the water helped a lot. And then I was about 20 minutes from camp. So I hiked back to camp, got some soap and water washed up and had a cup of tea and then went back out. So it was actually all, not that much of a delay, but that was quite the, uh, quite the experience. <laughs> yeah. I've heard a lot of bear stories, never a, a bear spray story. It's more common. I, be, then after that happened to me, other people started telling me their stories of similar things. And that actually became kind of a standard field kit was to have a little bar of soap with you because if you can have because it's oily it's just hot pepper with oil so if you just can actually wash it off um you can kind of keep going because branches can snag those things like it is uh, a hazard in itself (laughs) i can imagine but still important to have with you and have accessible so yeah yeah wow (laughs) (laughs) and i love that you just got up and went on yeah kept on trekking um (laughs) I guess I was lucky to be close to camp. Yeah. I'm curious. Again, you are in this brand new role. Uh, Why is it important? I think to have some continuity year to year with different people teaching different classes, um, 
I think just better organization between kind of knowing what's here for both equipment and samples, because then maybe make some of these labs more flexible if professors want to kind of change things up more frequently. Um, I think just to have that kind of integration across is what I'm finding is something that's been missing and having someone that's taking care because often the instructors will know their own material very well, but might not know that in the next classroom, you know, there's samples that they're maybe looking for and they don't realize that they're already here in the department and we have like a lot of resources. So, um, just being able to make things more available to people, I think is a big part of it. Yeah. You're essentially the all-seeing eye of education. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> or you will be. <laughs> well, we'll see. But just to, yeah, develop some of those kind of central inventories and mm -hmm. um, be the one kind of following up on things that either the TAs or the instructors don't have time to kind of in their semester. Yeah. I'm amazed that we've gone so long without you. Um, it seems to have been this patchwork uh, quilt of profs talking to each other and sharing what they're doing uh, and relying on that to avoid duplication of lab activities or uh, glaring omissions in um, an undergrad's education. And now you're here as the safety blanket, I guess, uh, to make sure everyone learns efficiently and effectively. I think so far it's more been about the kind of physical materials and making sure they're kind of working and in order and available. But um, as you know, there's a lot of new faculty that also aren't as familiar with what's here and are looking to develop new courses or will be starting to teach these courses at some point. Um, so having these systems in place and ways to get information between people, I think will be very useful, or I hope. <laughs> I'm sure you will be. <laughs> I know everyone's really excited to have you. I'm excited to be here. <laughs> yeah. uh, what excites you the most? What's your favorite part of this job? Um, I think I do like that it's it's a new position, um, which means there's a lot of kind of exploration that could be done right now of figuring out kind of what is needed and how to what this role will be, and that's fun. And really, the variety I think. Um, is something that I like where in a day I might, you know, have computer work, but then also be cleaning and checking microscopes or tracking down samples and then talking to the TAs or um, just that every day is, is very different. Yeah. You're literally spelunking through the cupboards and cabinets of this department. <laughs> and Definitely some of that. Yeah. Just finding keys to cabinets that haven't been opened in who knows how long and those sorts of explorations. Yes. Cabinets <laughs> yeah. that look like they fell out of Hogwarts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's pretty fun. <laughs> Um, of course, not everything is sunshine and roses. Uh, there are downsides to every job as well. What's the worst part or the most challenging part of your work? I think, um, yeah, just figuring out this in these first couple of months, I now have, you know, very long to-do lists and figuring out kind of, uh, what is the top priority or how to best organize this stuff, um, is still something that I, I think will be a constant <laughs> of just trying to juggle, um, all these different aspects, um, 
and prioritizing, I think will be the biggest challenge. Yeah. As in many jobs. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 Well, no, like you said, uh, no one's been in this role before or within living memory. And so um, you've got your work cut out for you. <laughs> I think, yeah, that is just, there's a lot of projects and just hope seeing them through will be challenging. Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious, uh, do you identify as belonging to any underrepresented communities? And if so, has that impacted your uh, either studies or career? Um, I think not especially, not in, or as a woman that's can be underrepresented in geology and earth science, um, not through my education. It was very equal um, in my undergraduate but as, especially as you start kind of become being in more senior roles or the longer you're in the industry, the fewer and fewer women there seem to be, <laughs> or certainly that was my experience. Mm. I've been in camps where it was one in 30, as in me and 30 men. Oh, wow. um, and that can be, I never had any necessarily negative experiences directly related to that, but it's definitely a challenge. Um, and I think the more diverse camps I've been in, the kind of better morale and attitude and just it's a more relaxed place in some ways um, when it has more balance across gender and other metrics of diversity. Yeah. Wonderful. I'm glad that um, it's been a gen generally positive uh, experience. Yeah, it's not I not the case f for everyone, including some friends and colleagues, but for myself, um, yeah, it's not that it was always easy, but it was generally a, a good experience. Yeah. Were you working as a geologist when the pandemic hit? I wasn't. I actually went back to school and did a master's um, here at UBC, not in the earth science department. I did a the master's of land and water systems program, which uh -huh. is in the land and food systems uh, department. Um, so I was a student during COVID, so a lot of online learning. So I do have a lot of true empathy for <laughs> the students <laughs> now that they're back and um, hearing about the online labs. And now that we're back in person, I can see the sense of relief <laughs> in a lot of people. Yeah. What was your thesis in? Um, I was looking at soil science more so, or that was the focus. It's a course-based program. So we did a major project rather than a full thesis. And mine was about um, soil mapping and some of the different ways that that's done, um, including like predictive digital mapping. Um, and to try and it's something I didn't really understand because it involves a lot of very complicated uh, computer <laughs> programs. So I was trying to find ways to distill it to make it more understandable um, for myself and hopefully others. Yeah. Wonderful. That sounds exciting. <laughs> yeah, it was... Um, I learned a lot. It was, uh, yeah, it was nice to kind of learn more about kind of earth system ideas and uh, environmental science and soil science um, through that program. Yeah. If anyone's listening right now and would like to follow in your footsteps, either as um, a geologist or as a lab uh, coordinator, what advice would you have for them? What um, courses or experience uh, or just background would you recommend they pursue? 
Um, I would say, yeah, if they're in a geology program to take the classes that kind of most interest them, whether, you know, whichever discipline of geology, I would say if they're looking to get into exploration, um, some understanding, especially if they're working, planning on working in Canada, surficial geology is something that's often overlooked and kind of geomorphology and soil science, because so much of what's done, um, especially now is over areas that have glacial cover or sediment cover, um, because a lot of the easy stuff, the exposed rocks we've already found, (laughs) um, and just in terms of kind of other avenues beyond exploration, that also opens up more geohazard work or environmental aspects of geology. Um, that's Those are both kind of growing. Um, or also if people kind of don't want to work in the extractive industries, there's other options in geology. But really just following what interests you, because that's where you'll find kind of more success because you'll stay interested <laughs> instead of forcing yourself to do something you, because you think you should. Yeah. I love that you have this perspective of um, geology and soil science being interconnected because of course they are, but we don't often uh, merge those two perspectives. No. Yeah. Well, geochemistry covers, there is more soil aspects to it. But I think understanding kind of the earth as a system (laughs) is (laughs) critical. Uh, And here in the department, it's not just geology, it covers many different aspects of that. And I think keeping an appreciation for that, even as you're specializing, um, can only help. Yeah. It's a very holistic approach to merge uh, earth, ocean and atmospheric sciences, because of course, they are all interconnected. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you were studying, what would you say was the uh, course that changed your life? Oh, um, I don't think I could pin it to one course, but it was really like the field trips and field schools that I got to go on through my uh, undergraduate. And I think that's a, a big part of why I was excited about this role when I saw the job posting. Um because yeah, I, you know, got to look at volcanoes in Italy for my volcanology class and, um, see the Grand Canyon and Shiprock, New Mexico, which is this amazing volcanic feature. And I can still picture a lot, even just kind of like outcrops in the back of a parking lot in the city, like next to the university. Um, any of those kind of, it doesn't have to be a big trip to be a really memorable kind of learning experience. Yeah. Wonderful. I know that doing a master's uh, can be very challenging. Even doing an undergrad can be challenging. Uh, And no degree is ever um, achieved purely on a person's own. Um, It takes a village. (laughs) So I'm curious, who inspired you and and, uh, kept pushing you as you were doing your studies? During my undergraduate degree, um, it was definitely like my other peers, um, my friends in the program. Um, one friend in particular, we were roommates and we'd always be lab partners and didn't get sick of each other, (laughs) could work together well. And both were very excited about geology and kind of, um, kept that going. And also my my parents, because unusually I could, you know, talk to them about what I was studying or the work I was doing and they would completely understand it or have questions or be interested in the difference between when they were 
in the field and now how things had changed. Um, and then in my master's, I think I had a lot of kind of uh, my own motivation just from being out working and then coming back to school and just the privilege of kind of a privilege you pay for, but a privilege of just learning and talking about ideas with people and just how fun that can be. And um, so I was kind of the a little older than a lot of my cohort and was kind of the one that was like really excited to be there in a way that some of them that had been students all the way through didn't quite have that. They were not quite as excited about school anymore. Yeah. I totally understand what you're saying. Sometimes it's good to take a step outside your bubble just to realize how good you have it. Um, I've worked in places where people have stayed in the same place their entire career and it's a great place, but they'll complain about it because they don't know how good it is. Yeah. It's, it can be hard to strike a balance between sometimes having that continuity can be great. That Mm -hmm. that's what lets you kind of get in deeper in certain projects or in work. Um, but then to be able to bring in those different perspectives or have them yourself and then also work with people with different perspectives and experience. Um, it's if you can strike that balance, it's a really great situation. Yeah. I'm going to ask this next question about geology because you're only just uh, getting started in um, lab coordination, <laughs> but where do you see it going in the future? And what advice do you have for young people uh, who are thinking about going into geology to anticipate some of the changes uh, that are coming down the pipe? Well, I think we've already seen just by if anyone, you know, following kind of news of the extreme weather events and flooding, if we're looking at British Columbia, you know, drought and flooding and landslides that and living in northern Canada, even, you know, a few years ago, I saw like the permafrost melt the effects of climate change, um, the kind of geohazard and risk assessment and that those aspects of it um, and really kind of understanding how we can mitigate the, those effects um, by understanding kind of the landscape and the geology will be or is already very important. Um, and geologists do have space in that. And we also have a lot of geological engineers in this department, and that's very much in their kind of uh, realm as well. Um, I think uh, mining and minerals are still important as well. Um, we do still need metals and resources and finding ways to do that that are kind of less harmful and um being kind of mindful of how we're exploring and mining is critical as well. Yeah. Excellent. Mindful mining. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Sounds yeah. like a course that we we should invent. <laughs> the <laughs> ethics of, of the extraction industry. <laughs> yeah, it's different. I think the earlier students can be thinking about that stuff while they're, especially while they're kind of starting their careers, the better. Um mm easy to kind of, I mean, I worked in diamond exploration for years and yeah, sometimes it can be hard to kind of keep some of the bigger picture questions in mind while you're kind of focused on the rocks. Yeah. I'm going to pose a similar question to you personally now. Uh, I'd like you to look to the uh, long-term projection for your own career. What would you like to have as your professional legacy when you eventually retire? That's a tough question. Um, 
I think just that really it's uh, that people kind of enjoyed working with me <laughs> and found my contributions useful and um, kind of really small. It, I, that's, I mean, it sounds like a small goal, but just um, I think, yeah, I don't have kind of a grand legacy I'd like to leave other than just um, being a good kind of colleague to people. <laughs> yeah. I think that's great. Um, especially in the role that you're in right now, uh, it's very much behind the scenes. Um, the students may not even uh, know the work that you do because you support uh, the work that the front-facing uh, TAs and profs uh, do. So uh, that makes sense. And I think it's a, a perfect goal. <laughs> Lindsay, those are all the questions I have for you for today. Is there anything I missed or anything uh, you want to add before I let you go? Um, no, I don't think so. Yeah. Great. Well, thanks for sharing your stories, uh, your passion, and thanks for joining us here at UBC, here in EOS. Uh, we're lucky to have you. Great. Thank you. Thank you for listening to On Earth. On Earth is hosted by me and produced by myself, Kirsten Hodge, our editor, Sarah Robertson. Dolly Beatty designed our logo. On Earth is made possible thanks to the generous support of the Department of Earth, Ocean, and Atmospheric Sciences here at the University of British Columbia. For more episodes like this one, please visit our website at pme.ubc.ca/learn/podcast, or listen in on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you find your podcasts. And see you next week. Here on Earth.